We are back with another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we're back with a review of the movie called Columbus. Sarah, would you like to start us off with a plot summary? Yes. Columbus is about a Korean-born man who finds himself stuck in Columbus, Indiana, where his architect father is in a coma. The man meets a young woman who wants to stay in Columbus with her mother, a recovering addict, instead of pursuing her own dreams. Mm. So this film, actually Sarah was the one that came across it, and she included it on her top 10 list. Um, So one of the episodes that we recorded was going through the top 10 films that we watched. So not necessarily came out, but the ones that we watched um, in 2018. And this was, well, we won't spoil it, but this was on the list at some point. And just hearing Sarah's description of this film and the style of this film and the tone and the mood of this film I was immediately intrigued and therefore I think three days later I watched it and Sarah and I were like, well, we've got to review it. There's so much to unpack. Yes. I, um, oh man, I have been thinking about this movie so much and then Jen watched it and couldn't get enough of it. So then I watched it again and (laughs) fell in love with it all over again, man. If I could include it on my 2019 list, I would, but (laughs) I just can't. So did you watch this earlier in 2018 and like the second time around was several months later or were they pretty close to each other between the two times you watched? No, they were very far apart. I watched Mm. it at the beginning of 2018 and when I was compiling the list – I remembered Columbus and what I remembered of it was just wonderful and then watched it again and it was great. Mm, yeah. So it's interesting. So the one of the words that you used to describe this film, several, but one of them was that it was a quiet film and it was a subtle mm-hmm. film. And I think in, when we had recorded the um, top 10 Films of 2018 podcast episode, I had referenced Carol as one that had that same tone and mood. But I have to say, these are in very different categories of being quiet and being subtle. Like, there's a lot that still happens in Carol. Um, It's still in the realm of all films that are being created now and just in general. Still a very quiet and very subtle and intentional slower film but this one is on a completely different level (laughs) so um i uh i'd like to clarify my comment on on that and just say that (laughs) i didn't expect this to be so such a moody piece um and so atmospheric and so dreamlike um in a way that carol is definitely not so just a point of clarification there these are on two different planes of um mood maybe let's start out with just what was it that initially caught your attention about this film the first time you saw it and then i'm curious to hear like is there are there things the second time around that you were able to soak in a little bit more or um notice or spend more thought on when you were watching it having had that context the first time and seeing it for the second time around Um, So I first found this movie because I was looking for something to watch and I was on Hulu and usually when I'm looking for a movie to watch, I'm going to go to the indie section uh, just because I tend to like those uh, more than the more mainstream movies. And I saw the poster for it Mm. and was like, yep. Mm -hmm. I need to watch that. I have no idea what it's about. Not a clue, but I'm probably going to love it based on that picture. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sure did. Um, I, there, there's something about these slow and introspective pieces um, that are so meaningful to me. I feel like a lot of entertainment today is flash 
flashy and it's fast and you know you have to have all of these different camera angles and all of this this noise and this visual clutter and you know some of it is really really great it's enjoyable it's fun but you don't have as many pieces like this where you just you're just slow and it's quiet and there are awkward parts and it's it's a beautiful portrayal of real life and you're yeah. seeing these two characters grow on screen right before your eyes. Like it's, ah, it's such a wonderful little film. And for me, it, it was like, just like a giant sigh. Like I can just, ah, okay. I I'm here now. It's so peaceful. Like even though there's conflict in it, like the overall tone of the film is just, it's so relaxing to me and much needed in our current media environment. Yes. Oh, I echo everything you just said. Um, <laughs> this film is dreamlike. It's like a reverie. It's a film that you, you finish watching and you feel more at peace after watching it than you did when, before you even began the film. And I was thinking about this as I was as I was watching this film, and um, so I studied music in my childhood. And one of the things that my music teacher would always tell me is that in in a in a movement or um, in a piece with many movements, there's the slow movements and the fast faster pieces, right? And she would always say that it's actually more difficult to play the slower pieces well. Yeah, and I think. There's that is so much on display here to be able to create a film where there's not a lot of action, there's not a lot of quick shots, there's not a lot of um, conflict or these over the top, um, really flamboyant characters. It's incredibly difficult to be so beautiful and detailed and um, intentional about every piece of it that must come together in a way that makes this feel um, like it's still moving forward, but at a slow pace that feels comfortable and peaceful and not boring, right? So I was thinking about that as I was watching this film. I was like, wow, this is an example of a second movement slow piece in classical music type of work and intentionality that is then being created in this film space. And I just think this film is so rare today. I mean, I've amidst the superhero spectacle um, trend that we're seeing right now in cinema, this is such a breath of fresh air. And um, I would just would love to meet the person that created this. Like what kind of person um, must he be to be able to create a film like this, you know, it's, it's just such a gem and it's just such a rarity today. Yeah. I think that's, that's such an apt comparison about, because it's true. It's, oh, it's so much harder to do things slowly and with intention, like in air, in any area, like mm -hmm. music the same thing is with like yoga. Like it's, that's <laughs> one of the things chi, that I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so hard to do these things slowly because you, you're having to examine each and every moment of it instead of just, you know, going through the motions and you don't have those opportunities to do something halfway. Like, especially mm -hmm. when you're creating something as slow as this, like you, you hear every note, you hear every moment of silence, you see everything going on in the frame. Like there's not a, a moment's space to waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are several, from a filmmaking perspective, several ways that he has created this. More obviously, it's the use of silence just throughout the entire film. There's a lot of shots where you're just in Casey's apartment or in John Cho's Jin's hotel room and the camera is entirely still and there's no score there's no music and you just hear these heightened sound effects of him opening a closet door or the rustling of the papers on the coffee table and so in those moments the shots are quite long as well there he 
the director feels no rush to cut away from it or to combine several different shots of this to show the entire room and entire space. You're just on that shot for a good couple minutes, just watching John Cho, you know, observe his his new hotel room and wondering what he's thinking. And the director is in no hurry, and it it he freely forces you to stay still from the camera's perspective and also with no audio stimulation either. It's just you're in this moment and he will keep you here until he chooses to let you <laughs> cut to the next um, to the next shot. And I I don't think I appreciated as much the first time the scene that you were referencing where he's where John Cho is, you know, he's opening the closet and then like he shuts it again and like Mm -hmm. he opens it again and he's looking at his father's suit, his father's hat, like, and then slowly throughout the film, he begins, like he brings the hat out of the closet and it sits on the chair. Like Mm -hmm. so much of what he does in those little silent nonverbal moments, it means so much. Yeah. Because, like, if you put yourself into that character, like, that's such a human thing to do. Like, you're Mm -hmm. staying in this hotel room where your father, who is in a coma, was staying, and his stuff is there. And, like, you open it up, and all of the feels of, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And then you shut it. And then, like, little by little, you're able to bring these things out. It's, ugh, it's wonderful. (laughs) Yes, and even in that scene as well, we get we we get zero close up of his face at all. We get a profile that's partially in shadow and that's it. There's no there's not much clues that we get as a viewer of what he may be thinking or is his face pained or is it blank or is he realizing things with his, you know, by, you know, the way his eyebrows are moving. We get none of that. We just sit and wonder from afar and observe him in this moment and that's it. We get no no clues. <laughs> no. And I hadn't had this thought until right now. But um, in our uh, Twilight roast, we talked about <laughs> the Kristen Stewart character and how Bella is so bland, theoretically, so that a reader or a viewer will be able to put themselves on her and experience the story in that way. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, they did a terrible job. But in Columbus, Mm -hmm. he was able to achieve that where you're not seeing John Cho's facial expressions, but you're seeing his movements. And it's so human that you could put yourself in that position in a way that is much harder to do in Twilight. So... Uh, yeah, man, it's just that is so true. <laughs> yeah, You're and able to empathize in this in just an incredible way. Yeah, yeah, and they were both attempting to achieve the same end goal, which is the empathy from the viewer, and yet just the way that they have set up the shots and the character is just very successful on one and not not so in the other but yeah that that's a scene that came to mind the other one that is a little bit of a kind of a parallel where we're just observing these new characters I mean that and they both happen in the beginning of the film is the shot which actually happened several times of Casey making breakfast or making dinner in her apartment with her mom or her home with her mom and again it's a shot that lasts much longer than I think most other directors would ever allow it to last. But we watch her make breakfast or make a meal. I think it was breakfast at one point and dinner at some point, other point in the film. But we watch her make this meal for her mother and we don't see her facial expressions. It's completely silent other than her rummaging around the home and cutting vegetables and that's it. And we sit and linger in that moment. There's no camera movement at all. We're kind of, um, the camera's tucked away in like a hallway. So we only get like a partial half view of her as she's cooking. And we sit there for a couple minutes just watching her prepare this out of love for her mom, but also wondering how she 
what's going through her mind like that at least I, I'm curious what you were experiencing in these really long shots that happened at the beginning but for me I was just wondering like what what's going through their minds because when I'm when I'm cooking, I'm often thinking about tons of different things and, um, you know, and so you, you really are observing from a third party perspective, but so curious about these characters you're seeing on the screen because that shot has allowed that curiosity to build. Yeah, I think the whole, for the majority of the movie, I was very aware of my uh, reliance on technology and my need to create noise. Like, while I love films like this, like, it tends to be difficult for me to sit in silence by myself. Mm -hmm. So either I'm going to make noise, or I'm going to play music, or I'm going to have like a movie or a show playing on the in the background. Like, mm -hmm. I'm and especially when I'm cooking, I don't like to cook. I'm a terrible cook. So I have to <laughs> have something fun going on in the kitchen because I'm not enjoying myself. So just to sit there in silence with her while she's cooking was, it just made me think of, man, could I do that? Like, what would that look like if mm. I were to cook silently in my kitchen and just, I don't know, take that time to just breathe and be and not worry about trying to fill that space or the other thing that I do is I listen to podcasts because I want to multitask. I do the same. Yes. I want to maximize my time. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yes. Well, what would it look like to just, I'm just going to be silent and I'm going to cook and I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy the quiet and the mm -hmm. peace. Yeah. And this film, it's interesting. It forces both of us into a context and scenario that we would never normally be in on our own mm -mm. nope so so interesting all right so one of the themes that I think is a key part of this film and I think is a big part of why this film also works is the incredibly tender and delicate but also very nuanced relationship between Jin and Casey. Both of them are characters that I think from the very beginning are characters we can empathize with. They're in situations and have are appealing to us as viewers to want to get behind them, right? From the very beginning, I think they're protagonists that we, we want to follow and we, we begin to care about them. But also their relationship is one that is uh, again, something that I, I have rarely seen on the big screen. It's so delicate and nuanced and tender. So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I was, um, I remember the first time watching it, I was like, I'm loving this. This is wonderful. Don't you screw it up. Like, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> because so many films are like that. You're like, mm -hmm. oh this is good. I like this. I like both of you. This is great. This is a cool dynamic. And then it's like, nope, we're going to have a romantic thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, for the love. So I just, I love how daring he was to be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And just because that relationship is so much more, and it's, so much deeper than, you know, like a, like a sexual encounter or a, you know, romantic tryst. Like it's, it's so much more valuable than that. So I'm glad that he didn't cheapen it by trying to make this movie accessible to a wider audience by mm -hmm. adding that in. Yes. I was so fearful of the same thing. <laughs> and I was actually so worried that in that last scene where he's saying bye to her and they have to separate that there was going to be some dramatic moment or, you know, they were going to somehow kiss and say goodbye or they're going to be like, Oh, I'll write you. I was so worried that that was going to be how they were going to part ways, but they just hugged and she mm -hmm. got in the car and it was a, and then that mo that whole moment is now framed in the terms of here's a girl who loves her mother and feels this responsibility, but also has these hopes and dreams. And she's willing to, 
to go after her dreams now because of the help of this guy. And that's it. That's the relationship. There's no, nothing else needed. There's no other strings attached. They're not going to write each other or whatever. And you're right. Very daring indeed. Um, but I'm so happy that they didn't do that. Their relationship in this film is so human in that it's, it's depicting two people who share this unique intimate connection with each other and that's it it there's no romantic tones or anything they just and it, it doesn't even feel the need to put it in the category of just friendship either like it really leaves it in that gray area and just shows you two people that have this really deep intimate connection with each other and have forced each other and pushed each other to grow and that's a beautiful thing and that's it and there's no promise of when they're going to see each other in the future. There's no, um, you know, that classic ending scene of a movie where they somehow are reunited in the same city and they bump into each other. Like, none of that. It doesn't leave you with any of that. And um, I think it makes the time that they had and the connection that they had more pure and more beautiful and tender and delicate than if they had built out this full narrative arc of how they were going to later meet up or, you know, they were lovers that now need to be separated. Like this is feels so much more pure because it's so understated. And just how they were able to make such a large impact on each other's lives mm -hmm. in such a short period of time. Like I feel like most, you know, romantic movies it's like they meet and then like bam the next scene they're in love with each other and it's like whoa buddy <laughs> you've known each other for like two days that's okay? called lust like, and not love yeah <laughs> hey oh um and so this was just a completely different way to look at it because mm -hmm. I mean relationships impact us so tremendously and one person can you know help you become the best version of yourself, not in like a codependent unhealthy way, but in an aspirational way, like they did, mm -hmm. they didn't know each other for very long. And yet they were both able to grow so tremendously just with their own conversations and they're just spending time together. Yeah. And I think they, what was a big part of that is that they were also both willing to to open up the rawest parts of themselves to each other as well. You know, they those first few conversations they're talking about architecture and things like that, but slowly that those conversations begin to deepen and they were both willing to like lay themselves out in their rawest form and share their hopes and dreams and fears with each other. And that is the reason they were able to then push each other and speak life and speak truth into each other's lives that, you know, are truths that maybe they didn't want to come to terms with, but here's this person that knows, knows you and is willing to, to push you to them and to point your eyes to them. Um, so I think their displays of vulnerability with each other was also just beautiful and it felt organic and natural as well instead of this like oh this is gonna be a big moment where I'm gonna reveal so much about myself to you and it, it's because I love you so much it's it was so organic the way that all unfolded that I think was just so delicately done and it was so real because even how you know those conversations happened they like in, in a lot of movies, it's like, oh, you, you can like plot it on a chart exactly where we're going. And you know, okay, the next conversation is going to be this big one. They're going to reveal their secret. And then it's either going to end, you know, happily ever after or end in a tragedy. Like you, you can mm -hmm. plot it. But with, with the big conversations that they, they had, it was kind of out of the blue. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, they had had the one argument where she was calling Jin out uh, because he wasn't, you know, with his father in the hospital. And it was such a real conversation. Like, that's not something that you 
would typically, I would imagine, plan for. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is the perfect setting to have this conversation. Like, mm-hmm. no, it just, it happened. And it was just so real how they're talking about one thing and then it just escalated to this other. And then they're both upset and he's walking away. And mm-hmm. ah, it was so real. Yeah. Yeah, and then her kind of um, defensive, you know, reply back, and they're both now on the defensive, trying to defend why they've made certain decisions in their life. And what I love, especially on while we're on the theme of this, just like the the organicness of how so many things unfold, is that the next scene, they're meeting up with each other and they're hanging out, and we don't need to see them making up. Like, we don't need to nope. see this big, like, she comes and she apologizes or he comes and he apologizes and then they make up and now they're back on terms with each other. Like, the very next scene is them spending time together again and they're going to another building and we almost pick up where we left off. And I, there's, I'm sure, you know, things that happen in between and whatnot, but we don't, we don't really need to see it. It's, it. It just keeps moving. Again, there's no, if we were to plot this film on a graph, there's no spikes and um, major spikes and drops. It's the steady plot forward the same way that, you know, it's it's very true to life. Like We just keep moving forward. And their ability to just, like you said, keep moving forward. Because, mm-hmm. you know, usually in in movies and I'm sure in real life too, like, conflict is something you know it drives plot but I feel like so often the plot gets kind of hung up on that conflict Mm -hmm. you know they have this big argument it's this big dramatic thing and then oh I'm so mad at you I'm not talking to you anymore it's over like it's this big huge to do and with them it's just like nah it happened yeah okay let's move on like yeah I just what like they just let it like roll off their backs. Mm-hmm. What a what a much more healthy way to process through conflict than so many other examples that we have. Mm-hmm. It it just doesn't dramatize conflict. It's part of this day that they had together, but it's not it doesn't this film doesn't feel a need to dramatize it. So therefore their conf, their um reconciliation also doesn't need to be dramatized and doesn't even need to be shown. Like they just leave it out, which I think is so funny. So another um, big relationship moment between the two is when Casey talks about her mom. Mm. Um, It's been, you know, building up over the film and you know that there's something going on with her mom you don't quite know what she's taking care of her mom. You can tell that it's weighing on her. And then finally and reluctantly, like she shares about it with Jin, mm-hmm. which just feels like such a huge moment for yes. her to, you know, honestly and openly express some things that she has been hiding inside of herself. And, uh, it's just cool seeing her understand and recognize, okay, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this, but (laughs) you're a safe person. So I can. So uh, here we go. Yeah. That whole scene, honestly, was probably my favorite scene in the entire film because it was just this when, you know, I referenced earlier the, the vulnerability that they are choosing to have with each other. This is this is the perfect example of one of those moments. And what I found most striking is that the way that that whole moment unfolds was felt so realistic. You know, she's reluctant to talk about it. He kind of is gently encouraging her, like, no, like, tell me. I want I want to know. And she reveals it in between a lot of nervous laughter um and even after she says it out loud and he he kind of clarifies okay so your mom does meth and she just starts cracking up and I feel like that is just such a human reaction like in these moments where you are forced to come face to face with your reality and you hear it spoken out loud and it's really uncomfortable 
your reaction sometimes is just to like retreat into your shell and start laughing as a way of distilling that awkwardness that you feel about, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that, that is my reality and I'm hearing it said out loud. So it, that that whole interaction and the way that he responds and is pressing her, but not in a um, prying way, but in this gentle way where he knows it'll be good for her to, to be able to release this from herself and not have to carry that burden her on her own. I just found that whole interaction between the two of them so realistic and so human and so so believable. It just felt so such a accurate just depiction of how that moment would happen in real life. Yep, complete with all the awkwardness that you can mm-hmm. possibly muster. Yeah, I I completely agree. Every you know, every time I've seen it, just been so impressed by their ability to be so so human mm-hmm. when it's so much easier to put on this Hollywood facade. Because it's true. Like I laugh when I'm you when know you feel awkward. Yeah. Yes. I'm all about it. So, you know, again being able to put myself and go, well, yeah, yeah, I would uh I, I would not want to I would not want to like disclose the secret and then I would probably try and deflect through humor and mm-hmm. do a lot of the things that she did. So mm-hmm. just well done. Another beautiful scene. This is one of those scenes where I again think back to the same like thought that I have throughout various films that are as good as this one, but it's how observant the writer and director and everyone that goes into creating this film, how observant they have to be of human interaction and and those tiny little nuances to be able to then create and craft all of those pieces together into a, um, a series of just, I think it's what, like three or four shots and the actors as well, how observant they all have to be of what makes us human? What are what are those nuances? How do we react in those moments? Why do we like brush our tear away and like not make eye contact and look into the light and not want to face the person you just told this to? And you know, all those little nuances. There's there's a there's a level of like observation that I think is elevated and it's not just normal humans being able to observe each other to be able to do that. There's such an art to that, that I'm just, again, so impressed at how they're able to craft that moment so well. And it's all in the, the little details, you know, this is another one that, that, um, like you said, like it rewards the observant viewer. So there's one, uh, scene where, Casey and her mom are are eating dinner and her mom is complaining about about the flavor of the food like it doesn't have enough spices in it and Casey says that she was going for like a subtle flavor and that's exactly what this movie is like there's there's so much richness to it and there is so much flavor if you're willing to sit with it and actually pay attention it's very very rewarding that is, I didn't think about that until you just mentioned that now, but that is such an accurate description of this film. I think the, she says something along the lines of, um, well, I, I feel like the spices sometimes um, are too much and you end up not being able to taste the flavor of the vegetables or something along those lines. I'm yeah. sure I butchered that, but her point is like, you can't taste the flavor of the vegetables when you've covered it in all these spices. So that's why I didn't include it. And this film is so much that. It's like these human moments, we aren't able to feel as deeply when we've covered it in so much of the dramatization and the flair. Can we just present steamed broccoli and and just really taste the broccoli? Like, can we do that? And what would that look like? And what would that um, feel like to, to sit in those moments? Oh, that's the perfect description of this film. <laughs> And I only want steamed broccoli if it's visually represented like Columbus. Yes, like, <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. No steamed broccoli for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe I need to be more like Casey. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So basically this week we'll pick a night where you and I will just make steamed broccoli in silence. No podcasts <laughs> in our kitchens. <laughs> Although that her kitchen had this beautiful like warm orange light like just emanating throughout the room and my kitchen definitely does not have that beautiful warm glow yeah mine does not either yeah but even if it had a warm glow I probably still wouldn't want to cook in it so (laughs) so I think we can't talk about this film without talking about the constant theme throughout from beginning to end of architecture it's just so celebrated and so much on display throughout both visually the shots that are used but also the thing that really begins the bond between Jin and Casey so let's let's talk about that a little bit I didn't realize how much I love architecture until I started like I would go like walking around with friends and I would just want to look at the buildings and the architecture and they'd be like oh my god Sarah stop (laughs) I didn't realize it so I I love that this thing brought them together and there's um I also really just enjoy that Jin is able to call Casey out in such a obvious way so early um so she she loves architecture but she had taken to memorizing facts about it and in the beginning (laughs) in the beginning of the movie um Jin says uh the problem with being a tour guide is that you stop seeking you become an arbiter of tidbit facts that you start repeating over and over and that is um that's exactly what she had become and he he didn't like architecture because that was his dad's thing and so it's kind of his his rebellion to like mm-hmm. I don't care about architecture it's dumb and yet he was able to call her out like that and ask her those moving questions of you know I don't care who made the building I don't care about the specs why do you love this? Mm-hmm. What does this make you feel? How does this impact you? And it's really just a um, an experiment in seeing and paying attention, mm-hmm. like stopping and looking at your surroundings and being in the moment with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I oh, I loved that scene. That was a, a scene that happens, I think, pretty early on in the film. Uh, but it just gets up the heart of this film where he wants to know her as a human, not, not any of the impressive facts that she knows or the knowledge that she's gathered, but like who he essentially wants to know, like, who are you and what, what gives you life? Like, why does this matter to you? I think what's also really interesting about her relationship with architecture is that a lot of this those the buildings that she's she loves often had a connection to a moment or a time in her life so I'm thinking about the one um I don't remember which one exactly but it's the one that she says she went to during the time that um her mother was really struggling and that coming to this building and seeing the neat vertical lines parallel to each other like it gave her a sense of calm and peace and how this like a building could have such meaning to her because it connected to this moment and the season in her life. And I think that's the case with a lot of art and other things in our lives that we love, right? Like we films, um, our music, our books, or just foods even bring us back to, or we're, we're significant in a certain season that then, um, really had an impact on us in a way that like we might not have expected, right? So I found that really interesting about her relationship with architecture. I, I personally am not someone who's, um, one, knows much about architecture quite humbly, and two, perhaps because I don't very know as much about it, um, don't appreciate it the way that she does, but it was so intriguing to me to see 
what was it that fueled this passion for her for architecture? And I think a lot of it is the way that she sees buildings and then how that connects to her personally. And I think, um, like, this film so beautifully blends, like, architecture in real life. Because even the way um, that it was filmed, you can see little bits of architecture within that. And you can see, um, like, how architecture makes Casey feel. Like, mm -hmm. so many of the shots are are wide shots where the subject is small in proportion to the rest of the frame. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what architecture does. Like you're standing there looking at this giant building and it's like, wow, I am so small. Mm -hmm. And there's something, at least for me, that's kind of comforting in that. Like the yes. world doesn't revolve around me and that's a really good thing. So just seeing just the grandeur of some of these things, and you can see that throughout the way that it was filmed. Yeah. And then in a lot of the shots, there are like structural pieces that are like literally framing the shot. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this, you know, architecture really is an anchor throughout the entire film, whether they are saying it or whether you're just able to see it on the screen. To your previous point about this this film f coaxing you to see and to see with intentionality, some of those shots of the library that she worked in were beautiful, and mm -hmm. it, it this film takes these commonplace uh, places and uh, things that we have just you know in our own context, like regardless of being in Columbus or in Seattle or where else in our own places we have we have just as much to to look at and to stare at um and i i love that he took these commonplace moments in the end scenes and places and showed them to us quite literally like i am going to include this shot of this library and these stacks of books and I will keep it on the screen for you for a good <laughs> 20 seconds so you can really notice things so I love that as well oh this yeah. is a good one <laughs> it's yeah just so good. I just want to watch it all over again <laughs> I know me too so before we kind of wrap up there's a scene that you love that I think Ugh. we have to talk about because it's just so brilliantly done from just a pure cinematic filmmaking perspective. So I loved it the first time that I saw it. And as I was watching it the second time, I remembered it and I was like, oh, wait, I love that scene. Where is it? <laughs> and I was like so excited the whole time. And then I watched it and it ended and I went, no, I need it again. So I had to like. Did you scroll back? It. Yes, I did. I am shameless. It was great. So it's a scene where John Cho and uh, Parker Posey are in his hotel room and they're just. They're talking, they're reminiscing. Um, she's kind of poking fun at him um, because she's like, oh, you have a crush on this girl. He's like, no, no, I don't. And then they started talking about how he had a crush on. Parker Posey when he was younger um and then they they start to have this this intimate moment and they start um like kissing on the couch and then she says no and he's like oh come on she's like no so he he stands up oh I guess they're in Parker Posey's hotel not in his anyway he stands up and he passes by the camera camera does not move for this whole thing. So their whole conversation, their intimate moment, it's happening like it's this little tiny part of the frame. And he he passes by the camera and you can see him in the bathroom mirror and you can see her in this other mirror. And it is absolutely stunning the way mm -hmm. that they just, they look at each other and he lingers for a second and it's so awkward and emotive 
all at the same time. You can tell they're not on the same page. They're on two different planes. Like, ugh. And that whole, the whole time when they're having a conversation on the couch and when they begin to kiss, you see it through the, the, the mirror that's mounted on the wall above her, I think it's her fireplace or something, some part of her, that wall, there's a small mirror and it's mounted and you watch them through the reflection in that mirror of them talking. And then he gets up and then that whole like two mirror thing happens. But even that one, that first mirror shot where you just start seeing that whole interaction happening and unfolding through the mirror is, it's, it's quite a long shot as well, but it's so... Mm -hmm. Everything else in the entire frame is still, except for these two faces in that mirror. And it's just such a, such a well-done shot. Oh, that was awesome. It's, it's exquisite. I think it's my favorite of the whole movie. Oh, man, I want to go watch it again right now. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I've seen a lot of films like where they've used like, mirrors strategically, but, man, there's something about that scene that just, in my mind, sets it so far above any of the other ones that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that we're, we as a viewer are kind of watching this through a mirror feels feels like we're overhearing and, and looking at this intimate moment that we shouldn't be, but we are yet part of that intimate moment as well, you know? Um, mm -hmm. it kind of gives, gives that sensation of like, there's something happening and I shouldn't be here, but I'm here. Um, and it's this, it is a very intimate moment between them because he's kind of in a very vulnerable state and then he's bared his soul to her and she says no to him. Um, and the, just the way that is all shot is so well done. I guess closing thoughts on this film. Would you recommend it to people? If so, you know, how, how would you describe this film to someone who hasn't seen it yet? What are your thoughts? This film, like so many of my other favorites, is, I feel, for a very specific type of person. And if you are that specific type of person, you are going to love this. Um, if you're not that specific type of person, you will think that this is a boring waste of time. When I was, actually both times that I've, I've watched it, I have, I've thought of it as a like slow indie John Hughes movie. Like I really, I get a lot of John Hughes vibes from this, mm -hmm. um, except like remove the big name stars, remove the soundtrack, remove the angsty teenagers. And it's that kind of like John Hughes coming of age feel. It's shot or it's like colored similarly to some of his movies. Mm -hmm. So I just, I get a little bit of a vibe from that. But if you enjoy slowness and stillness and introspection, um, if you want something out of the norm, man, this this could be a movie for you. Yeah. This is a film you'll either love or you'll hate. Like there is yep. no in between. You don't you won't leave watching this film being like, eh, it's all right. It was, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> you'll be like, that was a massive waste of my time. Why did I watch that? Nothing happened. There's no plot. I don't care about the characters. <laughs> It was so boring. Or you'll leave with the same reactions that Sarah and I have. Um, which is that this is just a... It's a reverie. Like it really transports you to a time and a place that forces you to slow your mind and slow your thoughts and invites you into these very delicate human moments that are so beautiful but so nuanced and subtle and there's a lot of depth here without being dramatized. And I think that is a difficult dichotomy to both have. And this film does an incredible job. I, I think it's a rarity. Like I am so curious 
if and when you and I will be next talking about a film where we're like, oh, yeah, that one was – this film is so much like Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to be able to compare another film to this is, you know, who knows if that will ever happen because it's just so unique. It's in its own category. So as you can tell, Sarah and I absolutely love this film. Um, <laughs> and again – Hopefully this has piqued your curiosity about it, if anything. It may not be a film you'll love, but hopefully it's a film that you'll try and see and um, that our review has helped uh, provide a little bit of maybe curiosity and intrigue with what this film has done. And maybe it'll surprise you. One of my favorite films that I've ever seen, the actually the film that really opened up this world of cinema and film for me was Birdman. And I went into it thinking I would absolutely hate it. So um, this might be one of those that really pleasantly surprises you. Yep. So um, Columbus is currently on Hulu. So just set aside a little bit of time. It's a great one to watch on a cold, rainy day yes. with a cup of tea. Um, uh, snuggled in your bed and yes. lots of pillows. <laughs> That's yes. how I watched it, actually. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. Snuggled in my bed with lots of pillows. <laughs> so, yeah, take a little bit of time and, and just check it out. Give it a shot um, and experience something new, something that can be a little uncomfortable at times, but is definitely a work of art. So that is our review of Columbus. And we'll be back with another episode of the Strategic Women's Experiment. Bye, guys.